The Gadget Guy on Cambridge 105 Radio. And welcome to show number 190 with a look at uh, tech news. And then we're going to explore electric vehicles, if we've got time, maybe some Cyber Monday deals. And we'll start off with a little bit of a phone, I'll say a little bit. Uh, it's only 10 million euros. Yeah, it's a small change for the likes of Apple, isn't it? It, it is. This is an intriguing one because it's uh, they've been fined by the Italian watchdog uh, over some of the claims they've made about iPhone waterproofing, which is interesting. Mm. I'm, I'm trying to think what the, what they actually claim because I, well, I don't think that it's it's Apple not sort of take it swimming th- with you. Thirty meters at four meters or something. Thirty, 30 minutes, 30 minutes at, at, at yeah. four meters. Yeah. And and yeah, four meters. I mean, that's the deep end of a pool, isn't it? I guess it's one of those things where it's it's a little bit like with watches because if if you get a, a watch and it says you know, if you get the sort of classic Casio one it says sort of waterproof to 100 meters that doesn't mean that you can take it and dive down to 100 meters no. because that's you can very very slowly take it down to 100 meters as long as you yeah, don't move it at all. Also, a lot of those manufacturers will say not suitable for scuba diving unless it's 300 meters. It, exactly because. It, yeah, it, it's not just the the sort of static pressure of water. It's as soon as you move it, that's obviously introducing a, you know more forces on it, yeah. uh, and, and more opportunities for it's, things to go wrong. It's also the reduction in pressure as you surface with it, mm. which can create a problem. So both pressure increasing and decreasing suddenly can be the the issue that pops seals and causes things to then get water inside them, which will generally kill most electronics. So given that, if I was looking at something that said four metres, I'd be thinking, okay, it's probably okay if you, you know, accidentally drop it in the washing up bowl and you know, fish it out quickly or, or maybe yeah, sort of take yeah. it out in the rain and it gets a little bit damp. I wouldn't be expecting to take it swimming with me. Yeah, I mean, four metres, I'd expect to be able to be standing in a torrential downpour and not have yep. my watch conk out. Yes, even if exactly. I'm even if I'm going to come back looking like a drowned rat, I'd expect my watch to still work, <laughs> uh, or my phone. I I guess this is where, you know, that that's how I would understand four meters. But you could see an entirely reasonable person saying, "Well, I took it down to less than four meters. You yeah. know, I, I took it to your, your typical swimming pool, which isn't four meters deep." Yeah. And I took it I, swimming. I, with I me. sat in the shallow end, took some photos. It got underwater, and now it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I, I can absolutely understand where where that complaint comes from. Um, it, it's one of those sort of weird th- differences between you know, what what the sort of industry t- terminology is versus yeah. what a reasonable consumer might expect. It's back to that lab testing versus real life, isn't it? Again, yes, that's that's <laughs> true as well. And, and indeed, this was one of the other claims: is that yeah, the the tests down to four meters were only in pure water, so presumably not seawater which is massively more corrosive than yes uh, than well, your sort even, of even public swimming pool <laughs> well yes who, who knows what got... your phone is going to catch from that yeah. <laughs> that's true <laughs> there's certainly a lot of, a lot of chlorine and that sort of thing in there which yes. is yeah all going to be much more vicious um so so it is interesting and i i want i do wonder what they should be uh, some marketing them as yeah is, is yeah. it sort of splash proof i know that oneplus always used to say okay we we expect our phone you know they're not waterproof they're not certified waterproof but we expect them to survive normal everyday conditions you know if you take it out when it's got a little when it's raining outside it's yeah. not going to break i mean uh, have you plugged your phone in at some point now does your phone have a moisture sensor on the charging port now i don't know I've never okay, noticed so that it has. Ha- ha- having got moisture into my Galaxy S10 and then plugged it in and Samsung now goes, ping, uh, moisture detected, please oh, unplug. Really? 
Yeah. Oh, interesting. No, I've, um, I've never seen that. But so, saying that, so the phone's been fine. <laughs> I have I, killed I, the I USB. I got mine during lockdown, so I've not. Really I, I have not killed the USB-C cable through that. So plugged the USB cable into the phone. Phone had a bit of moisture. Went into the cable. Phone went. I'm not going to charge. Unplugged it. Yeah. The the cable set on my desk started fizzing. Oh wow. Okay, yes. so obviously the, the moisture sort of transferred itself across from... <laughs> yes, uh, and got quite hot and then had to be unplugged and thrown away. Mm. Um, so, yes, think about whether you get moisture into... Re, once again, read the manual. You know, yes. something that people yeah, don't often do. For. See what the manufacturer does say about that. But this is the second time Apple have been fined by uh, the Italians. Their last one was over uh, a software update that slowed down older devices. Oh, no, that, that was to preserve battery life, if I remember yes. correctly, wasn't it? It was yes. as the battery got more and more worn, they, they slowed down the CPU to, to try and preserve the battery life a bit more. Um, yes. But at the expense of performance. And I, I think the problem there was they didn't tell people. They didn't uh, yeah, give anyone the was, information. It was not transparent. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, we'll see what, uh, what comes of that and whether any other European countries um, or the UK, since that's got to be independent now, uh, will take up that case as well. Yes. Meanwhile, in games console world, uh, the PlayStation 5, this is uh, Sony's latest games console that uh, that launched last week, and that has broken the record for the UK's biggest ever console launch. Um, so yes. A quarter of a million units sold in the first two days. That's fairly impressive. No, that, that was... That was the PlayStation. Oh, sorry, that, that was the previous record, wasn't PlayStation it? PlayStation Five has outstripped yeah. that by one hundred and fifty-five thousand units. So that's on, just on the first day. Four hundred thousand units in the first day. Blow me! Wow. Um, yeah. So that that explains why there's been a bit of a shortage. And if you didn't actually get your order in early, why you might not have actually got something. Hopefully, you weren't in one of the uh, scenarios of uh, uh, something arriving with not a PlayStation in the box, which um, apparently the retailers that uh, had that happen have been okay. investigating some of their courier companies. Yes. And uh, apparently, several courier companies have lost their contracts with several retailers. I guess that's always a slight risk. I mean, we've, yes. we've had the same with you know, major online suppliers uh, uh, in my day job where you, know, you buy a you know, a processor or something fairly small but fairly expensive and it turns mm. up and it's an empty box. I say, like, oh, yeah. okay, that's nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, all, always sorted out very promptly, but uh, yes, these things do occasionally go missing. Yeah. Uh, it, it does look Glo like they are uh, they're, globally they're about supply chain. Two million units sold globally of the PlayStation 5 so far. That's they're expecting impressive. to hit nearly 8 million by the end of March. So that's uh, that's fairly impressive. Well done, Sony. I, I they guess have the question said, is whether they can uh, satisfy all of the pre-Christmas demand. Yeah, they have said thing. that they will get more stock into the UK market, into the retailers before the end of the year, whether that's going to be before Christmas or not, yes. if you are wanting to slip a PlayStation 5 under the tree. Um, but uh, they are doing their best to get as much as they can into the country. Yeah, uh, and of course there have been uh, some slight holdups at some of the uh, uh, so some of the the ports as well. I think Felix too was uh, was suffering slightly a, a sort of backlog of uh, of containers and ships. Uh, certainly Amazon currently saying that the PS5 is uh, is still unavailable. Don't yet know when this item will be back in stock. So, <laughs> okay, uh, uh, one the, of those uh, the, that, the, uh, the regular one and the uh, the digital edition, which is the one without the uh, optical, optical drive. drive. Yeah. yeah. So. 
um, to keep your eye on all the, the different do, retailers' websites. Do be aware. Do not go buying them on eBay. There are oh, yes. far yeah. too many scalps and touts out there on eBay who have either bought things and and bought hundreds of units and have now basically marked them up up to 100% um, or more. Um, but also there's quite a lot of eBay cases already of people being shipped in empty, empty box. boxes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, eBay have already uh, nailed a couple of uh, sellers who are selling a photo of a PlayStation 5. <laughs> <laughs> or the manual for one. <laughs> uh, yeah, downloaded bootleg copy of the manual. Uh, so, yes, I'd, I'd avoid buying from an online auction yes, house. Yes, re- realistically, nobody like is that. going to be selling them secondhand at this no. stage. So no. I would treat any secondhand deals as very suspicious at the, at the moment. I'm, uh, I'm sure given looking, six months yeah. on that market will... I'd be looking at all the high street names and their online uh, outlets and then all the big online retailers that we know and trust and that have customer service that can deal with problems. Okay, in uh, in video conference world, from uh, from Sony over to Microsoft, uh, Microsoft Teams, if you use that either uh, at home or for work, um, that will soon be dropping support for Internet Explorer 11. Yes, uh, yes. 11 is still, uh, is still a thing. Um, pretty much being phased out now i suspect this is going to affect people in the corporate world more than it will at home i don't know Um, if you're still on windows 7 you might have rejected the microsoft edge upgrade yes but if you're on windows 7 still you're already out of support and yes we've we've said this before i would really look to be upgrading to uh to windows 10 and uh, and a little a little secret if you've got a name brand machine so an hp or dell that shipped with Windows 7, it will probably upgrade to Windows 10 still for free. Yes, and and legally so as well. Um, yep. Yes, Microsoft's uh, legitimate big name OEM license for Windows 7 on things like Dell, HP, Lenovo, Toshiba, so all of the big names will generally activate Windows 10 for free. You can do the upgrade, do it online, and get Windows 10. Yeah, and at that point you're back in the uh, back in the sort of run of security patches. Yes. Uh, so yes, first of December, end of life for uh, Teams on Internet Explorer 11, and also the rest of the Office suite will stop supporting Internet Explorer 11 by August next year. So August yep. 2021. So move, move across to uh, to Edge, ideally the new Edge, the Chromium based one, uh, or any of your other uh, Chrome, favorite Firefox, browsers. Chrome, Firefox. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, exactly that. Um, Firefox doing some interesting stuff with um, privacy protection. And putting some of your social media websites into a private browsing instance so that they don't leak cookies between yes, social media I, and uh, and the rest of the internet so that you don't get those. Um, you last search for a PlayStation 5, I'm going to show you an advert for PlayStation 5 on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And I, I do rather like that. The one that I have installed is the uh, the Facebook container on uh, on Firefox. And that just means that Facebook exists in its world and the rest of the internet exists in a separate world and yeah you stay you stay logged in on on everything but it just means that facebook doesn't talk to any other sites and you know it, it keeps that activity completely separate and you don't even notice it's there apart from a little little flag up in the address bar that yep. says oh by the way this is running in the facebook container yes so um facebook recommended uh to run in firefox Yep. Uh, on to 5G now, because it is uh, it is gradually rolling out. 
Uh, we still haven't got it in Cambridge, uh, but three are looking to build out further. They've currently got their uh, their 5G network sort of centred around, uh, around London, but they're now bringing that to 154 more UK towns and cities. And the annoying thing is I scrolled down the list. Still not Cambridge. No Cambridge. It's like, hello, uh, three... <laughs> <laughs> well, Bedford, that's that's reasonably close, isn't it? That's, is that the closest The, the annoying closest thing is, so, so Cambridge has now got city fibre running fibre into your house with speeds up to 900 megabit both ways. Cambridge followed on after Milton Keynes with city fibre. Milton Keynes is on three's 5G network. Why is Cambridge? <laughs> now, I, I want to know where it is that Colchester gets 5G and Cambridge doesn't. And Stevenage. And, oh, hang on. Oxford. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. I think o- three, Oxford three. is getting 5G before Cambridge. This is not acceptable, three. I, I, I might have a three account. I might have to have a yell at, yeah. um, at customer <laughs> so, service and, 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 so is and register my, my dissatisfaction. <laughs> so Oxford, Peterborough and Royston are all getting 5G. Cambridge is not. Uh, I <laughs> Ipswich. I know. Come on. Sort it out, folks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, that's, that's outrageous. Right, we're, we're, we're now upset and cross. Yeah. Um, three, please, <laughs> Cambridge. Um, I guess it's just down to where they've got towers and what their capacity is like to put the new electronics in that's going to run the 5G network. Now, this is an interesting one. Microsoft are trying to bring your favourite Android applications to Windows 10. Yeah, I thought you'd like this story. Um, we've, we've all got our favourite uh, apps that we run on our phones. And some of them have a PC interface, some of them have a web interface, but some of them just work so well on your phone and it's the only way you can use them. Now, I'm, I'm wondering slightly because there, there's a few bits to this. I'm, obviously, Microsoft don't really have a play in the mobile phone market nowadays. No, yeah, they, they used to have Windows killed, Phone. Killed that's, that idea, that's, that's didn't gone. they? Um, I wonder if this is a sort of, hey, if we do this, maybe it's a sidestep back into into the mobile phone world. I also wonder if it's that the Windows 10 app store never really took off in a big no. way. Yeah. You know, it was always from, was it Windows 7, certainly Windows 8, they were trying to push the Microsoft store. It never yeah. really was a thing, apart from the sort of the annoying... <laughs> Candy the other, crush that you got with Windows. <laughs> the other thing, of course, is, is Microsoft have got it. their own range of hardware with the Surface tablets and, and Surface yes. laptops. And I think because those have got a fantastic touch interface and Windows 10 has got fantastic optimization for touch, that having an app store that's mm, got that's real vendors who know how to write apps for touch because they're yep. phone apps might give them a nice bit of an advantage there as well. I guess, I guess the question is whether you know, one of the screenshots on Windows Central uh, website is something that looks very much like an Android phone screen sitting yeah. as, a, as an app. So I wonder if they will do that or whether they will go down the route of, actually, you know what, most phone apps are designed to work in portrait or yeah. landscape, a range of different resolutions. Let's just let them run in whatever so size that's, window that's you the want. Your Phone app, which is built into Windows 10 and works with a, a small handful of phones, primarily yes. Samsung. Um, and I've used it and stopped using it <laughs> because, yes, you're right, it didn't feel like running the app actually in Windows yes. because it runs in a separate interface. 
it is quite nice that it does do things like synchronize your clipboard so you can copy and paste mm-hmm. stuff between your Windows apps and your phone app, but it relies on a Bluetooth sort of Wi-Fi type connection to stay connected and it's, it's forever going, I lost connection with your phone. Please reconnect your phone. I can't see your phone. Uh, I'm not going to work because I've uh, I've lost that particular... And you find yourself rebooting the phone more often and so on. So it, it's not a great experience. One thing that's possibly going to help Microsoft with this is that they've added what's called the Windows subsystem for Linux to Windows yes. 10, yeah. which allows you to run a lot of Linux-based applications inside Windows. Android being effectively Linux for phones to a degree. Where, whether they've leveraged some of that... That technology. Yes. So whether the, we'll suddenly see an Android subsystem for Windows, mm. that could be very interesting. Possible. Possible, yes. The yeah. frameworks are there. Someone needs to just decide whether they want to turn those on or not. Yes, and of course that, that depends on whether, you know, whether they see consumer interest and consumer uptake of it. Uh, finally yes. then on the, the news, if you've got an Amazon uh, personal assistant, you may have got an email about a, a week or so ago uh, saying that Amazon Sidewalk was uh was coming to uh to, to your device did you get and an email i did get an email yes did you okay i, I didn't. did no, I, I got an email when they uh were testing the uh amazon echo burglar deterrent system right and I, I went yes i'll have that thank you because you could then tell your echo device that you leave in the house and it would play uh sounds that made your house sound occupied interesting but it was a us only launch and then i got an apology saying this was us only sorry we didn't mean it well, I, I got one of the... And they've the, done uh, that again, have they? they? They have, because this caused a lot of consternation. So Amazon Sidewalk, the concept behind it is that uh, particularly your connected devices such as the Ring doorbells, the Ring cameras, um, if they go out of range of your Wi-Fi or if your Wi-Fi has a problem, then they can do a limited amount of communication via your neighbours. And... That's obviously useful because if somebody from the security product side of things, if somebody breaks into your house and turns the power off first, you still want to know that they've broken into your house. Yeah. But also their other IoT devices like the pet trackers, it's useful to be able to track your pets beyond the reach of your home Wi-Fi. Yes. The idea here was that everybody's ring, de- uh, everybody's Echo devices would also form this low-speed link where other devices that aren't yours can use a small fraction of your internet connection in order to send back those messages. And, you know, this wouldn't be the sort of full motion video from your camera, but it might be a, hey, I've detected some motion. Uh, yeah. Or, hey, I've, I've I mean, seen devi- devices that they were talking about that will support it, and this is US only, is things like yes. all of the ring devices. So this is the cameras, the um, some of the doorbells, uh, all the Echo devices from the second generation onwards... Um, the Echo Shows and the Echo Tens, uh, as well as the bigger Echo Studios, so some of the Echo Speakers. Yeah. uh, This caused a lot of consternation because it was opt-out rather than opt-in. And so a lot of people saying, hang on, no, it's not okay for you to just turn this on and let other people use my internet. And they've done a lot of work on the, the privacy and security around it, but I think a lot of people still found it a little bit. Yeah. Do you, do you trust your provider for uh, for adding things in? Yes. Um, I mean, it was going to cap the amount of bandwidth it would use and the amount of data it would use and the amount of people that could 
connect and everything would be split off and separated. So it wouldn't be allowing other people's devices onto your network. But yeah, so I don't it, think it'll it still ever... still felt a little presumptive. I don't think it'll ever make it into the UK market because of the privacy concerns. And I, um, I think that's, that's very true, is that I don't... I think that we have much stronger privacy regulations over yes. in Europe generally. And but I think what we might want to do in a future gadget guide is look at low, uh, at long-range um, wireless networking, LoRa. Good because idea. we haven't talked about that before, have we? No, from long-range wireless networking to long-range electric vehicles. Coming up in a moment. Cambridge 105 Radio. Join me, Neil Jones, every Tuesday here on Cambridge 105 Radio for the very best from the world of rock. Every week we'll bring you big name interviews, all the latest from the local scene here in Cambridge and the very best rock songs around. It's two hours of rock every single Tuesday from nine o'clock with me, Neil Jones, right here across the city in South Cambridgeshire on Cambridge 105 Radio. Need dropping off at work? Miss the bus and must make that urgent appointment. Need picking up after a night out with your mates? Panther Taxis is your Cambridge-based taxi firm with over 700 drivers, offering great rates and local knowledge, ensuring you make it quickly and safely to your destination. We don't inflate our prices at peak times, and all our drivers accept payments by cash or card. Book your taxi the easy way. Download our free Panther Taxis app through your app store and start booking your taxis on the go. Call Cambridge 715 715 or see panthertaxis.co.uk. Panther Taxis, your local quick, reliable and friendly taxi company in the city. CKLG Accountants are a friendly team of accountants and tax advisors with big firm expertise. I'm Sarah, one of CKLG's friendly tax advisors. Creating and preserving wealth is an aspiration for many of our clients. In our complex world of changing legislation and family circumstances, we listen and provide you and your family with bespoke tax advice tailored to your needs. To find out more, call us on Cambridge 810100 to arrange an initial chat with one of our specialists. Or visit our website, cklg.co.uk. CKLG Accountants, your partner in business, your partner in life. Cambridge 105 Radio. And it's time to look now at electric vehicles, not just uh, electric cars, but uh, all sorts of, uh, of different vehicles. Because... We, of course, have got the, uh, the the new electric scooters just come to Cambridge, the, uh, the voice yeah, scooters. What, have you tried those f- yet? Nope. Ah. Haven't, haven't, been, haven't been into the middle of town to actually be anywhere I, I near had them. To, I had to gently shove one out of the way when we did our uh, Remembrance Sunday outside broadcast and sort of picked it up. They're remarkably heavy and obviously not a problem when you're riding them because they power themselves, but they are not light things. You, you can sort of drag them along, but you wouldn't want to pick one up entirely. They, they beep at you if you move them without, <laughs> without unlocking. Right, okay. But I, I did get it round the corner, at least, and, and sort of into a more convenient place. <laughs> well, I suppose the main thing is you didn't want it starting to squeal and, and make really loud noises. It, exactly, if you were going to, uh, exactly that. Be doing a radio broadcast near it. Yes. yes. Uh, how, but, how do but, you shut it up if it is? Well, that you move it yeah. further away. <laughs> uh, let, let's start off, though, on cars, because this is probably the one that, uh, uh, that, that has been in the news the most. Yes, with the government saying that they're going to uh, uh, not allow the sale of new petrol-only vehicles from 2030. Yes, and that was originally 2040. And they, starting they to think forward. about when they're going to buy their last petrol car. Mm. Because that's I, a, real, I wonder, a real thought. I wonder if I already have. 
there is I, that thought too. Yeah, I I think I might have done. I've I've got a diesel at the moment. I reckon it's probably got a few more years in it left uh, yet. Well, I suppose question number one: Would you ever buy another diesel? Probably not. I, I don't think so. Um, and if not you bought brand a petrol, oh, if you bought a petrol, would you want it to be petrol plus something else? And this is the sort of the three categories because when we talk about electric cars, they can either be fully electric, they only have electric motors, or they can be the older style hybrids. So this was the the style that was originally sort of seen by most people in the Toyota Prius, uh, where it had an electric motor and a petrol engine, but you couldn't plug it in. Yep. So you couldn't charge it up. It just sort of maintained its own charge by... Yeah, uh, ca- by called self-charging and... by a lot of de- definitions. I, I really dislike that I, so uh, do I. as a term because that implies you're getting free electricity. You're not... And, you're... and a lot of um, uh, lists of electric vehicles these days leave Toyota off specifically because they don't have anything that you can actually just plug in. Yes. All and of then... Toyotas are these self, uh, so-called the, the self-charging. The hybrids, yeah. yes. And then you have plug-in hybrids. Now, these do have a typically electric uh, internal combustion engine and the electric motor, but you can plug them in. So normally the electric range in these is much lower than the electric range in a fully electric vehicle. Yeah, you're talking sort of 30 to 50 miles on electric only. It might do your sort of your your short daily run down to the shops or or school run or something like that. But for any longer distance, you're you're kicking over to the uh, to the petrol engine. Yeah, um, it's 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 almost like having an electric car with a generator with you. It's exactly like that, and and indeed some of them, the BMW. Uh, oh, what's the the, it's the, the I series? Is it? Yes, the the smallest of those is it the i three? I think. Um, the the petrol engine is purely a generator. It's n- it's not connected to the wheels at all. There's no mechanical yeah. transmission of power. All it does is charges up the battery. And you do that while you're driving along. Um, whereas in others of the plug-in hybrids and the, uh, the Mitsubishi does this, the petrol engine can directly drive the wheels. Yes. Which also well means when you, when you put your foot down, if you haven't got enough battery power, the petrol engine kicks in, gives you that little bit of extra power when you need it. Yes. And, and when you uh, get off the A14 and get into town and you're suddenly doing 30 miles again, 30 miles an hour and 20, 20 miles an hour, the, the electric motors can take over and you're yes. then driving without creating any emissions at all. Uh, and indeed, the the nice thing about some of these plug-in hybrids is that they can use both in parallel. So you can yes. you can do battery power, pl- uh, the the electric motors plus the petrol engine, and that means you only need a relatively small petrol engine because yes. those sort of short duration. Oh, I just need to put my foot down to accelerate past someone on the motorway. You don't need to suddenly have that maximum power from the yeah. the petrol engine. So you actually you put something like a one liter or yeah, point nine liter of petrol engine in and still get a very good result. Yes. Uh, rather than having to have a, a petrol engine that's sized for the the largest. Yes. Uh, power so you ever need. I, I guess some of the things to think about is well, who should buy an electric car? Um, I guess potentially everyone. I, I'm going to turn that round now and say who shouldn't buy an electric car. Because yes. there are, there's a, the sort of the, the types of journeys that you can't do in electric is now the exception, I think. Um, so the it, kind of journeys you can't do is anywhere out of range of charge. Yes, and that if, is... If you, if you have a, a vehicle that requires plugging in. Yeah, and that, that is a, a much smaller set of 
places than than it would have been. So most, pretty much all motorway service stations now have uh, these very fast chargers. You, you say that. I, I, I read an article in the past week of a, a couple who tried to drive just along the south coast and it was a 200-mile trip and they were driving an electric Porsche because, you know, you can go to the top-end stuff, um, which are actually more expensive than Tesla. And um, their challenge was actually getting charging stations that A, had working charging points, quite a lot of them might be out of order, um, that there was sufficient capacity. Because more people are taking up electric, you might turn up and find that you're actually in a queue behind several other people who have also arrived and want yes. to charge. Now the- unlike, a, unlike a petrol station, you can just queue behind and five minutes later, the pump is clear. You're going to have to wait 40 to 60 to maybe 90 minutes for someone to finish their charge now, and I leave. Think that is, that's a problem that's going to go away. And, and indeed, there is yes. technology that can help already. So ZapMap, uh, zap-map.com, has a map of 20,000 charging points all nice. over the UK. And with that has report uh, the ability to report a charger as being broken so mm-hmm. you can when you're planning your journey you can say oh okay i want to stop at that note someone's reported that as being unavailable or even oh i can see that the real-time statistics of i can see someone's currently charging there which means i'm not going to pull over at these services i'll carry on to the next ones yeah. so you can you can see ahead of time which ones are uh, at least likely to be available it yeah. also means that you can see as well as the the sort of obvious motorway service stations and that sort of thing, you can see all of the publicly available charging points that are maybe in a hotel for uh, car park or forecourt. Um, yeah, there's some charging points up on the Cambridge Business Park that you would you wouldn't know about, you know, if you were just driving past. But they're they're publicly available. You you pay mm-hmm. to use them, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of these things you'll have uh, some sort of pay as you go type card. Yes, uh, where you will uh, log into the charging station so that the the power that you use um, gets charged to your account. You know, you, you're not going to get free miles, basically. Yeah, um, and if, other- if you just look at just look around Cambridge, there's yeah, there's one at Milton Park and Ride. There's one at the um, the Anglian Water, uh, Milton House on the uh, up by the the sewage works. There's one in uh, the Cambridge Business Park. Mm-hmm. A few on the Science Park. What we are hoping is that some of the uh, favourite mapping and uh, auto-navigation apps like Waze will start to incorporate things. Now, Waze has already got an option where you can choose electric as your vehicle type, which looks like what they're going to do is allow you to, when you put your journey in, plan those stops so that it routes you via charging stations that are known to be good and appropriate for your vehicle. I I think that, yeah, coming back to the who is electric still not the best uh, choice for. I think it's people who are regularly doing those very long journeys. Yeah. We're typically seeing ranges of a couple of hundred miles on fully electric vehicles now. If you're regularly doing more than that, it's probably not the right choice because even though you can supercharge, it's still slower than filling up with petrol or diesel. So it's okay for maybe the occasional holiday drive, but it's not something you want to do on a regular commute. Similarly, if you're going to less densely populated areas you know, maybe if you're traveling into wales a lot or you know up into scotland in the in the more remote areas it's further between charging points so yeah. for those folks maybe we're not quite there yet i mean we, we are there if you prepare to go to the really top end the tesla roadster because they are looking at 600 miles and this is tested on road yeah um, 
but you are looking at one hundred and eighty-five thousand pounds. Exactly. And that, yeah. Let, um, let's come back down into into, <laughs> into the sorts of cars that reality. you like realistic. Uh, so uh, things like Volkswagen's ID three long range has a three hundred mile range, approximately on road for thirty-seven thousand pounds. So you are talking about now average car pricing, but you're still limited to that three hundred miles. Rapid charge in 34 minutes is going to get you about half that mileage. Full yes. charge takes 12 hours. Yes, and that, that's what you'd normally do if you sort of got home and, and put it on charge overnight. What, what I did spot recently is that MG, uh, amazingly, have now launched the, I think it's the first, um, fully electric estate car. Um, this is the MG5 uh, electric vehicle. Um, and it starts at £25,000, which for a you know, relatively high-end estate, brand new, that's not a very big difference to what you would be paying for any other relatively high-end estate, brand new. You know, yeah. We're not seeing the premium of, oh, okay, a Tesla Model S. Yeah, that, that comes in at £60,000, £70,000. Um, yeah, that, that's more than a lot of people would buy for a new car, uh, would pay for a new car. The MG5, if you're buying a brand new estate... It's not a very big markup to but go even the electric. top of the range with all the bells and whistles is twenty seven thousand. Mm. Um, you know, I yeah, mean, they're, 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 their is... starting one starts from twenty four five. Yeah, this That's... is seriously, uh, seriously, sort of getting into into the. It's just an yeah. It's just a car that you would choose. Yeah, territory. and you are talking about a two hundred mile range vehicle. Um, you know that 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 price is after the three thousand pound. Uh, plug-in discounts that the government is still offering on on new electric cars. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, it's interesting, very interesting what what we are seeing. I mean, we've seen the likes of of Skoda coming out with cars. They haven't got an estate yet. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> I know you like your your Skoda, uh, but still only two hundred and seventy-five miles for yes. thirty thousand pounds. And, and car. you you do also need to knock a little bit off that uh, in the winter because generally in colder weather it doesn't go so far for the uh, for the same charge. And you're running things like the heating, the you know, the windscreen wipers. You're typically got the headlights you, you, you on. You say more. the winter only. In summer, you've got the aircon to think about how much True. that chews power-wise as well. Yeah. So and, those, and we those... are seeing because of global warming, warmer summers in the UK. So yeah, that that 214 miles, the MG quote, that will be under ideal conditions. If you're doing that in winter, it's going to be less. If you're doing 70 mile an hour rather than 60 on a motorway, it's going to be less. You know. You shouldn't sort of think, oh, my, you know, my journey is 200 miles. I can do that without charging. Realistically, your journey is 150 miles. You can do that without charging um, and maybe 100 miles to be on, on the safe side. So, But for most people, that will, that will cover 95% of their journeys, I suspect. Yeah, I'm not sure if the breakdown services yet include a we'll turn up and charge you. Turn, to get turn you to up the in the generator, yes. <laughs> uh, interesting, um, so, some other interesting cars uh, coming in. Things like the the Kia e Nero, um, which comes in at uh, thirty five thousand um, pound, but does two hundred and thirty miles, rather nice. Uh, what else have we got? The uh, the ID three uh, Peugeot's E two hundred eight, an electric version of the two hundred eight, which has been, you know, Peugeot's very popular super mini. Mm. Um, yeah, looking like a nice looking little. Well, I mean, it looks like a two hundred eight, but it's electric. Oh, now, there is also the electric Mini. Yes. Interesting. Now, of course, it's got the BMW i3 
powertrain in it. So yes, uh, all the, all the goodness from BMW's it's, engineering it's on that go electric. Like <laughs> it's a hundred and eighty-one horsepower. That is going to go like the clappers. Uh, yeah, that's a license losing vehicle. <laughs> yeah, you do pay for it in, in the range though. It's it's only one hundred and forty-four miles claimed, so it's probably actually going to be sort of 100, 120. But wow, I bet that's going to be fun to drive. I think some of the challenges are going to be, um, have you got a charging point at the office? Yes. Or near to the office? Um, and, and do you have a, somewhere that you can charge at home as well? Yeah, yes. If you have a driveway, it's probably fairly easy. If, you've, if you have a garage which is detached from your house, doesn't have mains power out there, that's going to be maybe a lot harder to charge. If you're street parking, it's going to be very difficult. Yes, I'm sure we'll solve it. Uh, we'll come on to uh, e-bicycles and e-scooters in just a moment. The Gadget Guy on Cambridge 105 Radio. Uh, time now to look at electric bicycles because yeah, it something doesn't have appropriate to, all be to Cambridge. About four I think. Wheels. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, and and these are another technology that has come on an awfully long way in the last few years because you can now get an incredible range of uh, of different bikes. Uh, just looking at uh, the uh, the Rutland Cycling website, loads of other uh, dealers, of course, available. Um, yeah, they're not particularly cheap. Yeah, the the cheapest model on their uh, on their site is uh, about sixteen hundred pounds. But what you get for that is something that will go up to forty miles, sixty kilometres, uh, on one charge of the battery. And to put that in context, to charge that battery on a sort of normal electricity tariff will cost you about eight pence. So forty miles for eight p. Uh, which, which model was that one? Uh, this is the uh, the Whisper Wayfarer 202. Uh, which, which is I'm a not city bike. To spot on their website. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a city bike, so it'll go on you know, plenty, any, any roads plus you can probably just about get away with it on a, a sort of a little bit of a gravel track, but it's not a full, uh, a full mountain bike. Uh, interesting, okay, so, by the way, so you, ha- happy on cycle paths, the odd bit um, of co- cobble. Um, absolutely, anything and, and you can throw get you in around. Cambridge. Interestingly, because of the, the price of these, there's, there's good finance deals on a lot of them as well. So you can get um, pretty good deals, almost like buying a car. You can finance them. But there's also the um, ride-to-work scheme. Not that many of us That's are riding true. to work these days. And electric bikes do feature in that. So you can yes. get a lot of these on that scheme, which is a 0% scheme, normally over three years. And you own the bike at the end of that. So it's and not in- like financing a car where you never end up owning the thing. Interestingly, if you uh, if you do go to the, the the route of riding to work, there are also foldable electric bikes available oh, now. Okay. So this is so like uh, the, the Bromptons, exactly that. Um, uh, and those yeah come in at basically the same kind of price, um, about fifteen hundred pounds, uh, slightly lower range because of course there's a bit less space for the battery pack, um, but nonetheless. Yeah, that, that's something you could probably even take into the office if you have a little bit of space. Uh, now, if, you want, if you want to drop down to the, uh, the budget end of the, the uh, deal on electric bikes, you could go to somewhere like Helford's and they've got electric bikes starting from about £600. Yeah, they're limited to a range of about 20 miles, which is going to get you around the city without much of a problem. Much so. Um, so, you know, you can get into the electric market for, from £600, basically, for, for electric bikes. Uh, and yeah, as well as that, all the other sorts of bikes that you'd expect to have road bikes, electric, uh, you know, mountain bikes, and anything pretty much is available. And of course, if you do run out of battery, unlike a car, 
you can you always just pedal. pedal. Yes. Yes. That's, that's a really good way of extending your range. It might be heavier, but it'll certainly get you to places that you might not have got to under your own power. Very true indeed. Uh, that's all we've got time for on this episode. We'll be back on Cambridge 105 Radio on Monday evening from 6pm. Cheers for now.